InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. With all the campaigning, rhetoric, promises, and hullabaloo, it's nearly time for Americans to cast their ballots. But when it comes time for you to vote, how do you know your vote will really count? To answer that question, let's welcome Doug Chapin to InfoTrack. Doug, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, Doug, you're with ElectionLine.org, which is a project of the Pew Center on the States, the nation's only nonpartisan election reform clearinghouse. And we want to ask you, how certain are we at this point in time that every vote will be counted and be counted accurately? You know, it remains to be seen. And I think what's interesting, Chris, going into this year's election is the way in which this year's campaign has changed the way in which the election will go this fall. In the past, we focused on the impact of the system for individual voters, voting machines, voter registration, voter ID. But this year, given the level of interest we're seeing in the campaign, there's the real potential for the sheer number of voters to overwhelm the system. And so the risk is just as much that the system can't handle the load as much as it might fail an individual voter. Is it possible that we may be looking at a long time after the polls close before we really know who won this election? I think it'll be longer than we're used to, uh, for no other reason than we are seeing increasingly across the country a huge uptick in early and absentee ballots. And in most jurisdictions, those ballots are paper ballots, which take longer to open, take longer to sort, and take longer to count. Combine that with the fact that election officials know that they are under a microscope in terms of getting the count right. And I think things will go a little more slowly this year than they have in the past. Now, have we actually seen a decrease in the touchscreen voting machines that are out there this time? We have. And 2008 is interesting. After the 2000 presidential election, the federal government enacted something called the Help America Vote Act of 2002. And in that act, the government made nearly $4 billion available to states and localities to help them either purchase new equipment or upgrade old equipment. And many jurisdictions bought the new touchscreen voting machines on the basis that it would avoid hanging chad and mismarked paper ballots and the like. But over time, as debates grew and concern grew about touchscreens, you're starting now to see some states pull back. And probably the biggest example of that is Florida, where many jurisdictions in South Florida especially had punch cards in 2000, had touchscreens in 2004, and now will be switching back to paper-based optical scan ballots in 2008. So actually, touchscreen machines are on the decline nationwide. Is there a particular reason there are fewer electronic voting machines? One of the reasons is that in many states, touchscreen voting has simply become a politically explosive issue. Touchscreen voting has always been viewed by suspicion in many corners of the computer science academy. But increasingly in recent years, because of a fundraising letter that went out in 2004 from the CEO of one of the largest companies and some problems with electronic voting in other places, the belief is that there's a partisan tinge. And as a result, many states, I think, are almost literally washing their hands of electronic voting, not necessarily because they reject electronic voting as a concept, but because it's almost more trouble than it's worth to them to maintain and operate. We're talking on InfoTrack with Doug Chapin, who's with ElectionLine.org, a project of the Pew Center on the States, and it's the country's only nonpartisan election reform clearinghouse. And we're talking about, will all the votes be counted accurately? 
Doug, it seems like a number of the states have different systems out there. Some require photo IDs to vote. Some allow you to just walk in, register, and vote in the same day. Is there a chance that we might at some point have some consistency out there? That's an interesting question, Chris. I mean, and that's an ongoing debate in elections in this country. I think when people talk about the American election system, and when I explain America's voting system to visitors from abroad, really there is no American election system. It really is a collection of 50 state systems and really probably more honestly thousands of local voting systems across the country. Given how strongly people are attached to their local systems, I always laugh that the two things that every election official in the country has in common is that they like the way they do things and can't believe that anybody else would do it differently. (laughs) Given that depth of attachment and honestly given some of their suspicion about federal control of the election machinery, while we might see some national standards, I don't know that we'll ever see a national system of elections in this country. Is it possible with all those paper ballots out there that we're going to have another, you know, hanging chad situation at the end of this election? Yes, definitely. I think it's very possible. One of the things that I've seen in my years in following elections is that you forget that we talk about laws and machines and the like, but really elections are fundamentally a human endeavor. And people do the darndest things with ballots. They don't bubble in next to the candidate. They circle the candidate they like and cross out everybody else, or they write an approving adjective next to their favorite candidate and a more disapproving adjective. But in a close race where the margin comes down to ballots with murky intent like that, we could have a 2008 version of the kinds of ballot-by-ballot scrutiny we saw in South Florida in 2000. Doug, do you see a lot of potential for fraud in this election because people seem so passionate about it on both sides? Well, it's certainly the chorus of argument between people worried about voter fraud and people worried about voter suppression uh, is only going to ramp up between now and Election Day. It's hard. The issue of voter fraud in this country and actually the mirror image of voter suppression, it's one of those issues that lots of people believe beyond a shadow of a doubt exists, and yet there's very little in the way of evidence to prove that exists. So people who worry about voter fraud talk about it a lot, but there isn't a whole lot of data suggesting that exists. And on the flip side, people who worry about voters' rights being suppressed, again, believe beyond a shadow of doubt that exists, but there's very little data that suggests that that goes on. So with the result, we don't so much have a discussion about the issue, but a shouting match. And I think while people always want to make sure that there isn't fraud and there isn't suppression, we have very little data suggesting to what extent either exists, if at all. Doug, if you could speak to all the voters in the country and give them some advice or suggestions to make this an accurate and a good election, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, check before you go to the polls if you're registered to vote. In many ways, voter registration is the admission ticket to democracy. Don't assume just because you filled out a form or because you've been registered before that that will necessarily be the case on Election Day. And then on Election Day, if you don't understand the process or something is happening that you either don't understand or don't agree with, ask questions. There's no need to suffer silently because casting your ballot on Election Day is probably the single most important opportunity you have to talk back to the system of government we have in this country. So if things don't go well, don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you don't get the answer you like, don't be afraid to ask for help. 
Great advice. Now, Doug, there's obviously a lot of controversy around the whole voting process on both sides. I mean, there's certainly things people argue about here. Do you see the intensity of this debate continuing? Is it going to go away? Are people finally going to have some resolution to all this, or is this an eternal thing? In some ways, it's eternal. Obviously, it peaks in proximity to the election. There's a very small group of us that refer to ourselves as election geeks who stay with this every day. But really, the vast majority of voters, policymakers, and members of the media tend to tune in as an election approaches. I think that while maybe the hard-fought and apparently close nature of the presidential campaign, while that may be feeding the intensity of the scrutiny, I think the issues we're scrutinizing are ones which are going to continue not just into next year, but for years to come. Doug Chapin from electionline.org. Doug, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts on this for our listeners. The best thing I can say is that the only vote that you can be sure won't count is the one you don't cast. Um, If you're eligible and you're registered, you really owe it to yourself, to your neighbors, and to your country to get out there and cast a ballot. Terrific. Doug Chapin, and the website is electionline.org. And the website is a, a project of the Pew Center on the States and is billed as the nation's only nonpartisan election reform clearinghouse, so check it out. Doug, thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. Next, energy drinks can give you a kick, but are there health risks too? We'll talk to an expert coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.